0: chapter twenty one of havelock the dane by charles w whistler this librivox recording is in the public domain the token of sack and anchor it seemed only the other day that i had passed over the well-known ways and i showed withelm the hollow where grim had met with the king and taken his precious burden from him then we passed along the wild shore and the linnets were singing and the windchats were calling as ever and the old mounds of the heroes of the bygone were awesome to me now as long ago when i looked at them standing lonesome along the shore with only the wash of the waves to disturb them and so we came to the town at high noon and already there was the bustle of a gathering host in the place for the news had fled before us they had built a new and greater hall in place of that which had been burned and there sat hodulf with his chiefs wondering and planning and may be waiting for more certain news of what had happened. Not long would they wait for that now. We rode to the door, and one came to meet us with words of welcome, thinking that we were men who came to the levee that was gathering, but his words stayed when I asked to be taken to the presence of Hodulf, as I came with a message from Havelok Gunnarson, the king. The man, chamberlain or steward or whatever he was, stared at me and said, in a low voice, It is true, then true as i am radbard grimson who helped havelok to fly from hence unwelcome will you be for hodulf is in no good mood the man said i hardly think it's safe for you to trust yourself with him then said i open the door of the hall and i will go in with my men and see what he says well that will be bad for me but i have a mind to see havelok so I told withelm to come at my side, and bade half the courtmen follow us closely, and when they were inside to see that the door was not barred after us on any pretense, the rest would bide with the horses outside. Then we loosed the peace-strings of our weapons, and in we went, quietly and in order, and the chiefs turned to look at us, thinking us more of themselves. Hodulf sat on his place on the dais, and there were thirty-one others with him, "'sitting on the benches that were set along the walls, Withelm counted them. "'Then the door was closed, "'and the man with whom I had spoken set his back against it, "'but it was not barred, "'and I went forward to the steps of the high place, "'and stood before Hodulf. "'Well, what now?' he said, seeing that I was a stranger. First of all, I ask for safe conduct from this hall, "'as a messenger from king to king.' "'That you have, of course,' he answered. "'What is your message?' it did not seem that he thought of havelok at all but rather that i came from some king to whom he had sent there were two living not so far off i thought that there was no good in beating about the bush for such an errand as mine had better be told boldly so i spoke out for all to hear this is the word of havelok son of gunnar the king to hodulf of norway who sits in his place home he has come to take his own and now he would tell you that the time has come "'that he is able to rule the kingdom for himself.' "'And what if he has?' said Hodulf, "'without the least change of face, "'as if he had been expecting this, "'and nothing more or less. "'But if he was quiet, "'the chiefs had heard my words in a very different way. "'Some had leaped up, "'and others bent forward to hear the answer to my words the better. "'I heard one or two laugh, "'but there were some on whose faces seemed to be written doubt and anxiety. "'I think that some would have spoken.' for Hodulf held up his hand for silence, and looked to me for answer. "'It will be well for you to give up the throne to him, making such terms as you may,' I said. "'That is a fair offer,' said Hodulf, quite unmoved to all seeming, but looking at me in a way that told me how his anger was held back, by main force, as it were. But how am I to know that this one who sends so bold a message is the real Havelok? I am not a fool that I should give up my throne to the first who asks it.' Doubtless you bring some token that you come from the very son of Gunnar. It is right that you should ask one, and also that you should have one, that there can be no mistaking,' I said. "'This is it. By the token of the sack and the anchor, I bid you know that Havelok sends me to you.' At that the face of Hodulf became ashy grey beneath the tan of wind and sea, and I saw that his hand clutched the hilt of his sword, so that the knuckles of his fingers grew white, He had never thought to hear of that deed again, and he knew that he had to deal with the one whom he had thought dead. Some of the young chiefs in the hall laughed at that token, but he flashed a glance at them, which stayed the laugh on their lips. I know not what you mean, he said, altogether staggered. It is right, I said, that if the token is not plain, I should make it so. It is but fair also to the chiefs who are here. Then he stayed me true it is that old sin makes new shame i will take it as enough he said hastily i mind some old saying of the kind ay that is it a hidden king and a voyage across the sea it is enough not enough said a chief in the hall close to the high seat let this warrior say what he means plainly there were many who agreed to this and i did not wait for hodulf any longer i told them who i was and then showed them why that token was to be held enough for any man. And as I spoke, there were black looks toward the high seat among the older men. As for Hodulf, he sat with a forced smile, and seemed to listen indulgently, as to a well-made tale. And after that the matter was out of my hands, for the same chief who had asked for the tale came and stood by my side, and he faced Hodulf and spoke. "'For twelve years have I served you as king.' and now i know that i have wasted the faith i gave you what became of the sisters of havelok answer me that hodulf or i will go and ask their brother concerning whom you have lied to me go and ask him answered hodulf biting his lips go and hear more lies who can know the son of gonar when he sees him that is answered out of your own mouth said the chief is sigurd a fool that he should hail the first man who asks him to do so And from beside me, Whithelm answered also, "'Maybe it is a pity that Griffin of Wales was slain last night in trying to kill Havelok. He knew him, and I have heard that he came here to warn Hodulf that his time was come.' Hodulf's face grew whiter when he heard that, but it was what he needed as some sort of excuse to let loose his passion. White and shaking with wrath and fear, he rose up and he cried, "'Murder this Griffin!' ho oh, warriors let not these go forth whereon the old chief lifted his voice also ho oh, gunnar's men ho oh, men who love the old line to grim's son ahoy and he drew his sword snapping the thongs that had bound it to the sheath. so manfully tugged he at them in his wrath and there was a rush of men to us and another to hodulf now i think that we might have slain him there and after that have been slain ourselves, for the odds were against us, even though I had the courtmen. But that was Havelok's deed to do, for the sake of father and sisters to be avenged, and so we only cut our way out of the hall to the door, which my men threw open at once. There were two of Hodulf's men hurt only, for the most of them had run to the high place, and few were between us and our going. So we took five chiefs and their followers back with us, and that was worth the errand. We thought that it would not be long now before Hodulf was on us, but the days passed, and there was no news of him, and all the while we grew stronger. I do not know if the same could be said of him, and it is doubtful if time made much difference to his forces. Those who followed him were the men who owed all to him, either as men raised to some sort of power when he first came, or else strangers whom he had brought in with him some of the younger chiefs of the old families held by him also for they had known no other and then there were old feuds with gunnar that held back some from us but these few took part with neither side so before a week was out we had a matter of six thousand men in and about the town and it seemed that with so good a force it was as well to march on hodulf as to wait for him and that was good hearing for us all for there was not a man who did not long to be up and doing "'though to smite a blow for Havelok "'should be the last deed that he might do. "'They made me captain of the courtmen "'who were Havelok's own, "'maybe because I had served with Alsi "'and Withelm was captain of Goldberger's own guard. "'High honour was that for the sons of Grimm, "'for there was not one in either of these companies "'but was of high birth. "'But then we were Havelok's brothers, "'and all seemed well content to serve under us. "'I wanted Raven to be in my place.' "'but he said that he was no warrior on shore. "'Just now I am Havelok's watchdog, "'to be at his heels always. "'Presently, if he likes to give me a ship "'when we sail to England, that will suit me.' "'So Havelok made him his standard-bearer, "'and as that would keep him at the king's side "'in the thickest fight, he was well pleased. "'Goldberger wrought the standard that he bore, "'with the help of Sigurd's wife, "'and on it was the figure of Grimm, "'sword and shield in hand, but with his helm at his feet, as showing that he had laid it by, and on either side of him stood Havelok and his wife, each with a crown above their heads, as though they waited for the coming time, when they should be set there firmly by the bearing forward of this banner. Havelok bore his axe, holding out the ring to Goldberger with the other hand, while she had her sceptre in the left, and stretched the right hand to her husband. There were runes that told the names of these three, for that is needful in such work, as it passes the skill of woman to make a good likeness, nor do I think it would be lucky to do so if it could be compassed. Wondrous was the banner with gold and bright colours, and it was hung from a gilded spear, ashen-hafted, and long, that it might be seen afar in battle. Now on the day when Havelok set his men in order for the march on Hodulf, word came that he was coming at last. It is likely that he knew we were on the point of marching, and would choose his own ground on which to wait for us. So we went to certain battle, as it seemed, and none were sorry for that. So in the bright sunshine of a cloudless morning, Havelok and Goldberger rode down the line of the men who would fight to the death for them, and those two were good to look on. Day and night Sigurd's weaponsmiths had wrought to make a male shirt that would be worthy of a king, and I thought that they had wrought well. They had set a crown round the helm that they made for him, and Sigurd had given him a sword that had been his father's at one time, golden-hilted, and with runes on its blue blade. But Havelok would not part with the axe that Grim had given him, plain as it was, and that was his chosen weapon. "'but for once I think that men who looked more at her "'who rode at Havelok's side than at him, "'goodly and kingly as he was in the war-gear. "'For Goldberger had on a silver coat of chain-mail, "'and a little gold circlet, "'was round the silver helm that she wore, "'while at her saddle-bow was an axe "'on which were runes written in gold, "'and a sword light enough for her hand "'was in a gem studded baldric from her shoulder. "'There was a chief who had given her these,' and it was said that they had first of all belonged to one who had fought as a shield-maiden at the great battle of Dunheidi, by the side of Hervor, the sister of the mighty hero Angantyr. His forefather had won them at that time, and now they were worn by one who was surely like the Valkyries, for no fairer or more wondrous to look on in war-gear could they be than our English queen. She would have gone even into the battle with Havelok, but that neither he nor we would suffer. She was to bide here in the town until we came back in triumph or defeat, and as men looked on her, they grew strong, that no tears might be for those bright eyes. Now I left them before the march began, for I and the courtmen were to go forward and see where the foe was posted, and so bring word again. And we went some five miles before we saw the first sign of them. Then on a rise in the wild heath, waited a few horsemen, who watched us for a little while, and then rode away from us and beyond it. We followed them, and when we came to where they had been, we saw that they had fallen back on a company of about the same strength as ours, save that there were more horsemen. I was the only mounted man of my little force, and that rather to save my strength than because I liked riding, I should certainly fight on foot, as would Havelok himself in the old way. "'It is not good to trust to the four feet of a horse "'when one means business. "'We bided where we were, "'waiting to see what these men did, "'and soon beyond them grew the long cloud of dust, "'starred with shifting sparks, "'that told us that the host of Hodulf "'was on foot and advancing. "'It seemed to me that here we had a good place to meet it, "'for the land went down in a long slope "'that was in our favour, "'and therefore I set a man on my horse,' and sent him back with all speed to Havelok to bid him hasten. Our host was not so far behind me, and I could see both from this hill. We had full time to take position here before Hodulf's army was in reach. Now it seemed that the foemen would see what they could also, and they began to move toward us. It was plain that we should have a small fight on our own account directly, for I did not mean to let them take our place. We moved therefore toward them, and at that the half-dozen horsemen made for us at a trot. Then I saw that their leader was Hodulf himself. We were in a track that led across the hill, and here on the slope it was worn deep with ages of traffic between the two towns, and on either side the heather grew thick and high, so that the horsemen could not get round us. So Hodulf rode forward to where we barred the way, and told me to stand aside. What next? I asked. I may as well bid you go back for I came here to stop you. Come over to me, and leave this half-crowned kinglet of yours. It shall be worth your while. Hard up for men you must be, Hodulf, said one of my courtmen, laughing. At that he made a sign to his followers, for they came on us at the gallop, with levelled spears. We closed up, and hewed the spear-points off, and then dealt with the horses and men who foundered among us, and they struggled back, leaving three men and four horses in the roadway. It was bravely done, too, for there were only eight of them, and they did us no harm beyond a bruise or two. I wish that we had taken or slain Hodulf, however, for that might have made things easier in the end. Hodulf got back to his courtmen, and now they came on. At that moment over the hill behind us rode Havelok and Raven, and saw at once what was on hand. They had ridden on, but the host was hard after them, Send a man to bid the host halt, Havelok said to me, for we can end the matter here. Now shall I be hand to hand with Hodulf even as I would wish. I sent a man back as he bade me, and he stayed the host half a mile beyond the hill, where they were not seen. Hodulf's army was yet two miles away across the heath, and none had gone back to hasten it. Now Havelok went forward, holding up his hand in a token of parley, and his enemy rode from his men to meet him. There is much between us, Hodulf," Havelok said, and we have been together along this road before, yet for the sake of the men who follow us it may be that we can make peace. That is for me to say, answered Hodulf. for you have invaded my land, and are the peace-breaker. I might mind you of a blood-feud between us two, said Havelok, but that is not the business of the host. For the sake of the land I will say this. Give up the throne that you have held for me, and you shall go hence, with what treasure you have gathered, taking your Norsemen with you. There will be no shame in doing that, for I am able now to hold the land for myself. Hodulf laughed a short laugh. Fine talk that for the son of Grim the Thrall, who drowned, have a look for me. Nidring should I be, if I gave up to you. If things must go in that way, we will settle the matter here and now. Will you that we fight hand to hand while our men look on, or shall we go back to them and charge? I like the first plan best myself, as I would avenge my father and sisters, and also that insult of the way in which we passed this road together twelve years ago. So said Havelok, and his words fell like ice from his lips, and he was very still as he spoke though the red flush crept into his cheek and his brows lowered. And Hodulf did not answer at once. He looked at the towering young warrior before him, and maybe into his mind there crept the thought of the children whom he had slain, whom this one would avenge. Well he knew that the true Havelok was speaking with him, though he would not own it, and branded my father with the name of Thrall, for the sake of insult to his foster son. At last he said, we will go back to the men for you have advantage in that bulk of yours as you will answered havelok twelve years ago that was on your side he reined round at once and touched his horse with the spur without another glance at his enemy and then we shouted and raven spurred forward with a great oath for hodulf plucked his sword from the scabbard and with a new treachery in his heart rode after our brother and was almost on him the shout was just in time, for Havelok turned in his saddle as the blow was falling. Quick as light he took it on the shaft of the spear he carried, and turned it, wheeling his horse short round at the same time. Lindsay training was there in that horsemanship of his. Hodulf's horse shot past as the blow failed, and then Raven seemed to be the next man to be dealt with. But Havelok called to him to stand aside, for this was his own fight, and at that— Hodulf had his horse in hand again, and was ready to meet his foe fairly. And now Havelok had cast aside the spear, and taken the axe from the saddle-bow, and these two met, unshielded, for neither had time to unsling the round buckler from his shoulder. It was no long fight, for now Hodulf's men were coming up, and there need be no more thought of aught but ending one who was ready to smite a foul blow before us all shamelessly. Havelok spurred his horse, and the two met and closed for one moment. Then down went the Norseman with Cleft Helm, and the old wrongs were avenged, and there was but one king in the land. Then Hodulf's men were on Havelok, but not before Raven was at his back, and over Hodulf there was a struggle in which Havelok was in peril for a short time before we closed round him. Well fought the courtmen of the fallen king, and well fought my men and we bore them back, fighting every foot of ground, until there were only five of them left, and these five yielded in all honour, being outnumbered. Yet ours was a smaller band by half, ere there was an end. It had not lasted long, and still the host of Hodulf was so far off, that they knew not so much as that there was any fighting. Then we went to the hilltop and set the banner there, and our line came on, and halted along the crest." one hardly need say what wonder and rejoicing there was when it was known how hodulf had met his end and sigurd and other chiefs went to where we had fought and looked on him and one took the helm which had round it the stolen crown and gave it to havelok set it on the standard he said for we may need that it shall be shown presently as for hodulf bear him aside out of the path of the host that we may lay him in mound when all is ended One cried that he did not deserve honour of any kind, and there were some who agreed to that openly. I will not say that I was not one of them, for I had seen the foul play, and heard the insult to Grim, my father. But Havelok answered gravely, He has been a king, and I have not heard that he was altogether a bad one. All else was between him and me, and that is paid for by his death, think only of the twelve years in which you have owned him as lord and then you will know that it is right that he should be given the last honours you had no feud as had i then they did as he bade them and that gladly for the words were kinglike and of good omen for the days to come i saw sigurd and the older chiefs glance at each other and it was plain that they were well pleased now the host came on and it was greater than ours But when there was no sign of its leader, the march wavered, and at last halted altogether. Whereon some chiefs rode to speak to us, and Havelok met them with his leaders. He had to speak first, for they could not well ask where Hodulf was. The helm was a token that told them much. "'I met your king even now,' he said, "'and I offered him peace, an honourable return to Norway with his property, "'if he would give up the throne that is mine by right.' Maybe I was wrong in thinking that he might do so, but he refused. There were certain matters between us two, besides that of the crown, which needed settling, and therefore, after that, I challenged him to fight on these points, that being needful before they were done with. So we fought, and our feud was ended. Hodulf is dead, and his courtmen would not live after him, while there was a chance of avenging his fall. That was before the host came up. "'Now I offer peace and friendship to all, "'and I can blame none who have held to the king who has fallen. "'It was not to be expected that all would own me at once. "'Only those Norsemen who came with Hodulf "'or have come hither since must leave the land, "'and they shall go in honour, taking their goods with them. "'Their time is up, that is all.' "'It was a long speech for Havelok, "'but in it was all that could be said. "'Long and closely did the chiefs look at him as he spoke.' for none of them had seen him before. His words were not idly to be set aside, either, and they spoke together in a low voice when he had ended. "'This is a matter for the whole host to settle,' one said at last. "'We will speak to them, and give you an answer shortly.' "'Take one of Hodulf's courtmen with you, that he may tell all of the fight,' Havelok said. "'He need not come back.' I gave the man his arms again, for he might as well have them if he stayed." "'Thanks, Lord,' he said. "'Here is one who will tell the truth for Havelok.' "'Then our host sat down, and we watched the foemen as the news came to them. "'We could not hear, of course, for they were a quarter of a mile away. "'But if any tumult rose, we should be warned in time. "'They were very still, however. "'There was a long talk, and then one chief came back to us. "'I am going to ask a strange thing,' he said. "'But the men wished to see Havelok face to face.' Now Sigurd said that this was too great a risk, and even Withelm agreed with him. But Havelok answered, The men are my own men, but they are not sure that I am the right king. It is plain that I am like my father, and therefore it is safe for me to go. That, said the chief, is what we told them, and what they wish to see. Then, said Havelok, I will come. Bid your men sit down, and bid the horsemen dismount and I will ride to them with five others, then there can be no fear on either side. That will do well, said Sigurd, and the chief went back, and at once the host sat down. Then Havelok rode to them, and with him went we three, and Sigurd and Bjorn. There was a murmur of wonder as he came, and it grew louder as he unhelmed and stayed before them. And then one shouted, "Scald to Havelok Gunnarsson!' and at once the shout was taken up along the line, and that shout grew until the chiefs joined in it, for it was the voice of the host which cannot be gainsaid. and without more delay, one by one, the leaders pressed forward and knelt on one knee to their king and did homage to him. Only the Norsemen held back, and presently, when we were talking to the Danish chiefs in all friendly wise, they drew apart with their men, and formed up into a close-ranked body that looked dangerous. "'Surely they do not mean to fight,' said Whithelm. Then one of them shouted that he must speak to the king, and that seemed as if they owned him at least. So Havelok went to them. "'You have heard my terms,' he said, "'and I think that they are all that you could ask. What is amiss?' "'Your terms are good enough,' the speaker said, "'and we know that our time is come.' but we must have surety that the people will not fall on us, for we are flying, as it were, and we want the body of our king. We would not have him buried anywise, as if he was a thrall. He shall be given to you, and as for the rest, none shall harm you. Moreover, for that saying about your king, I will add this, that if there are any of you who hold lands to which there is no Danish heir, he shall take service with me, if he will and so keep them so there was no man in all the host who was not content and that was the second king-making of havelok as it were for now there was no man against him the hosts were disbanded then and there and we went that day to hodulf's town and took possession of all that had been in his hands then was rejoicing over all the land for a king of the old line was on the throne once more and his way was full of promise End of chapter 21 Read by Tony Foster